The following content is made possible by Andy Beach, Will Harris, and Paul Boyer. This is your hyperbole-free coronavirus update for May 1st. As I speak to you at 1.35 p.m. Pacific Time, there are 1,119,293 coronavirus cases in the United States with 65,141 dead. Today marks the first day that some Texas businesses are reopening. Dine-in service is back at restaurants, but capacity is limited to 25%, except for some rural counties with five or less confirmed cases of the coronavirus, which can serve 50% of their regular capacity. Bars, on the other hand, are remaining closed even if they do serve food. Only six people will be allowed at a table, and parties will be seated at least six feet apart from each other. Patrons will be given disposable menus and condiments will only be made available upon request. Malls and movie theaters will also be allowed to operate at 25% capacity and 50% in rural counties with less than five confirmed cases. And that is your hyperbole-free coronavirus update. Hello and welcome everybody to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for May Day. May 1st. It's gonna be May. Uh, We got a lot to talk about, including we're going to check in on those uh, stats. I said last week that this was a very important week uh, for Donald Trump because uh, the death numbers had to get under control and, well... We had a week. We're going to see how things look seven days on. We're also going to have a great interview about COVID conspiracies and how they uh, plug into our modern political matrix. We have uh, brought back one of our favorite old guests, Joe Yuzinski from the University of Miami. This is uh, his stock and trade. And so we're going to talk all about 5G towers and the Wuhan lab and everything in between. But really, there's only one big burning story in politics, and you know I'm going to spend some time on it because I'm so tired of talking about disease. Joe Biden speaks. She says in 1993, Mr. Vice President, that you pinned her against the wall and reached under her clothing and penetrated her with your fingers. Would you please go on the record with the American people? Did you sexually assault Tara Reid? No, it is not true. I'm saying unequivocally, it never, never happened. And it didn't. It never happened. And we're off. Morning, Joe. Mika Brzezinski, they go ISO, one-on-one. The woman 
speaking to the powerful man. Now, obviously, the Biden campaign wouldn't pick just anybody to do this interview. They knew that they were probably going to get about as favorable coverage as they could going to MSNBC. That being said, I don't think that Mika did a bad job considering the position that she's in. And this is the the, the beginning of our line of questioning. Straight up, here's what the accusation is. Do you say no? Now, what we said before in terms of how Biden had to handle this was to avoid a few pratfalls. Number one, don't attack her and seem mean or domineering or totally dismissive, but also make it very clear that this did not happen. So, so far, so good for Joe Biden. But something happened during this interview because beyond just staying, I mean, they made a decision fairly early on, uh, the MSNBC side, the Morning Joe side, made a decision that they were not going to interrogate that moment in time. So, like, there is a strategy, if you're going to be asking these questions, to stay in 1993. What do you remember about 1993? Do you remember Tara Reid getting hired? Now that you've seen her, do you remember her around the office? Stuff like that. You could have even gone farther and say, in 1993, obviously it was a different time, but do you remember situations like this happening amongst your Senate colleagues? Were you ever aware of any sexual assault in the Senate during 1993 or any actions that might be considered a sexual assault now? They decide to not do that and instead decide to prosecute the hypocrisy, some might say, of the difference in coverage and tone compared to the Kavanaugh hearing. So as we covered here, and everybody knows, Brett Kavanaugh being confirmed as a Supreme Court justice, uh, uh, Professor Christine Blasey Ford comes out and says during a high school party, Brett Kavanaugh tried to uh, sexually assault her or was sexually assaulting her, trying to get under a bathing suit. Joe Biden had a few things to say. Minka reminded him of it. You were unequivocal, uh, Mr. Vice President, back in 2018 during the Kavanaugh controversy and hearings. And um, you said that women should be believed. You said this, for a woman to come forward in the glaring lights of focus nationally, you've got to start off with the presumption that at least the essence of what she is talking about is real. Whether or not she forgets the facts, whether or not it's been made worse or better over time. She's going to be going on national television on Sunday. Tara Reid is coming forward in the glaring lights. To use your words, should we not start off with the presumption that the essence of what she's talking about is real? She says you sexually assaulted her. Look, from the very beginning, I've said believing women means taking the woman's claim seriously when she steps forward and, and then vet it, look into it. This, this, that, that's true in this case as well. Women have a right to be heard and the, and the press should rigorously investigate claims they make. I'll always uphold that principle. But in the end, in every case, the truth is what matters. And in this case, the truth is the claims are false. So this is a tricky one, but I think Biden handles it well. 
I think Biden does a pretty good job of fouling this one off. Obviously, he doesn't want the same kind of glaring light and attention nonstop wall-to-wall, wall-to-wall 24-7 coverage of Tara Reid that Kavanaugh got with Blasey Ford. And really, the, 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 the outer edge of the Kavanaugh stuff, like the how much attention went to Julie Swetnick, which was one of the, I think the, the there was Christine Blasey Ford who had the initial issue. Then there was a woman who said that uh, Kavanaugh flashed his penis at her or maybe fell on her with his exposed penis at a college party. But then Julie Swetnick was the one brought forth by Michael Avenatti that was probably the the wildest claim. I mean, that was like that these high school parties were not just drunken revelry with a bunch of prep douches, but rather there was like gang rapes and she was gang raped at one of them. That that kind of coverage got far more explosive without a lot of corroborating evidence and Swetnick's claims fell apart fairly fast. More than Tara Reid. So they don't really go into that. They mostly just uh, uh, focus it on on uh, uh, Biden's specific tweets, which I think is fair. He does a good job of fouling that one off. Now, here's a question that I think is either stupid, stupid to ask, or put it in your little mental Rolodex to see whether or not this kind of thing comes up. Because a lot of times in these kinds of like, we're only going to get one shot at this interview, you can ask a lot of out-of-context questions that seem kind of from out of left field, but they're because you've heard rumors that you just want to get somebody on the record as saying. And so this is either a dumb question or one of those like rumor flyer questions. But I just wanted to air it here. Is it possible these claims are held in an NDA? Do you have any NDAs that have been signed by women who were employed by you? Biden's answer is no. And I think it it's possibly a dumb question, mostly because it doesn't seem like Tara Reid's operating like she's under an NDA. The other side of it, though, is are other members of his staff held by NDAs? Or are they currently held by NDAs? So, again, either dumb or something that we have to think about, which I know are kind of polar opposites, but that's why I'm just playing the question and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time with it. Here is probably the most everlasting element of this interview. If you look at some of the reaction to it, the the continued through line from this center around Biden's records at the University of Delaware. Your Senate documents at the University of Delaware were supposed to go public, and then they were resealed. The access was changed. I know that you're saying any HR complaints could be in the National Archives, but why not reveal your Senate documents that are uh, being held in Delaware? I know there's 1,800-plus boxes, um, but if— if, if she believes and she alleges that the complaints may be hidden there, why not strive for complete transparency? Why was the access to those documents sealed up when they were supposed to be revealed? 
Well, they weren't supposed to be revealed. I gave them the university. The university said it's going to take them time to go through all the boxes. They said it wouldn't be, and that wouldn't be before 2020 that that occurred, or 2021. I can't remember the year they said. But look, a record like this can only be one place. It would be at the. It would not be at the University of Delaware. My archives do not contain personal files. My archives contain document. And I said, when I say personal, personnel files. They don't contain any personnel files. They are public records my speeches, my papers, my position papers. And mm -hmm. if that document existed, it would be stored in the National Archives where documents from the office she claims to have filed her complaint with are stored. That's where those, they are stored. The Senate controls those archives. So I'm asking the Secretary of the Senate today to identify whether any such document exists. If it does, make it public. We're going to get back to the Delaware stuff in a second, but it seems very clear and he repeats this several times, that the answer to why don't you uh, uh, search more for the University of Delaware information is it's in the Senate. If there is a complaint, it's in the Senate. Nothing to see here. We got more on that in a second. But first, let's go to this other clip. This is Joe Biden doing a good job of staying away from attacking. Remember, that was the other way that this could go wrong is him getting snide, him getting mean about Tara Reid. And so this is a question where, where Minka is allowing him to do it. She's handing him the rope. Let's see if you can do a lasso trick or if you accidentally hang yourself. Given the fact that you have said in the past that if a woman goes under the lights and talks about something like this, we have to consider that the essence of this is real. Is the essence of what she is saying is real? Why do you think she's doing this? I'm not going to question her motive. I'm not going to get into that at all. I don't know why she's saying this. I don't know why after 27 years, all of a sudden, this gets raised. I don't understand it. Firm but not accusatory. Good answer for Biden. All right? So I said that, by and large, I'm going to give you my grade right now. This was a B- minus for Biden. A B- minus for Biden. He gets out there. He gives his denial. It's on the record. Now his surrogates can say, look, as Biden said himself on television, it didn't happen. I'm choosing to believe him. There we go. It's out there. He has done something that I believe he should have done weeks ago when this was a much smaller story and it really would have just been a, a thing that happens. It would have been its own little tempest in the teapot and they could have gotten to the after part of this a lot faster. Instead, they treated this story like a non-story. It became more of a story. So B minus. Why a B minus? Well, because of stuff like this. Minka presses. Biden gives a clear as mud answer. No, no, that's as all. we await for the records from the National Archives. Are you absolutely certain? Are you absolutely positive there is no record of any complaint by Tara Reid against you? I am absolutely positive that no one that I'm aware of ever has been made aware of any complaint, a formal complaint made by or a complaint by Tara Reid against me at the time this allegedly happened 27 years ago or until the, I announced for pre well, it was, I guess it was in April or May of this year. You know, I don't even know if he's being evasive here or that's just Biden speak. And he's just doing the Biden thing where he just kind of like, bep, 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 just kind of goes on and on. I, I really don't know what to make of it. It's not a great answer. It, it, it reads as evasive. But again, it's fine. 
you know, this is a long interview. There were a lot of questions are asked over and over and over and over again. Speaking of being uh, repeated over and over and over again, Minka would not let go with the Delaware stuff, and this is where another bad moment for Biden was set up. The first is no, about your it. University of Delaware records. Do you agree with the reporting that those records were supposed to be revealed to the public and then they were resealed for a longer period of time until after you leave, quote, public life? And if you agree with that, if that's what happened, why did that happen? Because, look... The fact is that there's a lot of things that of speeches I've made, positions I've taken, interviews that, that, that I did overseas with people, all of those things relating to my job. And the idea that they would all be made public in the fact while I was running for public office, they could be really taken out of context. The papers are position papers. They are documents that existed and, and uh, that, that when I, for example, when I go, when I met with Putin or when I met with whomever and all of that to be fodder in a campaign at mm -hmm. this time, I don't know of anybody who's done anything like that. And so the National Archives is the only place there would be anything having to do with personal records. There are no personnel records in the Biden papers mm -hmm. at the university. It really seems to me like an odd defense when you're like, okay, these aren't here in these records. Whatever was written by Tara Reid, if it was indeed written by Tara Reid, is definitely not in these archives. That's a weird sentence. Right. That's a that's an odd thing to say. He's like, no, it's absolutely in this other place. OK. Well, then why wouldn't you just to be safe to show you have nothing to hide? Why wouldn't you open up these other archives? Oh, because it's a treasure trove of opposition research. And you're going to find that I have been on every side of every issue because I'm a creature of the Senate. My job was to be a consensus builder, which means that I had to write a ton of personal notes to, to every side of the aisle. And I probably buttered them up and I've changed my position throughout the years. And I've, I've uh, said things to various world leaders that I probably wouldn't like to have be made a gigantic issue during a presidential campaign. Isn't that a little weird? Isn't that a little like, it just seems like so inside politics to say you can't see this because it would be unfair for me to be running for president if you knew every private element of how I conducted myself as a senator and a vice president. Like, is inside politics, that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, why show your underbelly? We don't want to do it. Uh, Donald Trump doesn't have a political history aside from these four years, and we're going to interrogate that. So why would I unnecessarily open myself up for that? Inside politics, that makes all the sense in the world. I just don't know if that tracks. I just don't know if I tell a random person, oh, he doesn't want these out in the open because he believes he'll be embarrassed by some of the stuff he's done in the past. Oh, well, I want to see it now. <laughs> Here is the moment that I feel has, it was the worst, the worst of the Biden moments during the interview. Uh, he is pressed yet again by Minka and we get kind of a trademark 
Biden 2020 doddering moment. So uh, personnel records aside, are you certain there was nothing about Tara Reid in those records? And if so, I am absolutely certain. Why not? Why not approve a search of her name in those records? Approve a search of her name. Yes, and reveal uh, anything not, that might be related to Tara Reid in the University of Delaware records. There is nothing. They wouldn't. They're, they're not there. And if they, had, if it's, I, 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 you know, I don't understand what's the point you're trying to make. I think anyone who's tried to explain FaceTime to uh, their parents or grandparents over the last few weeks uh, can understand what it's like to be Mika Brzezinski. And asked Joe Biden about how to do a word search in digitized, uh, archived copies of his life's work. This was the follow-up to that. I'm, I'm just talking about her name, not anybody else in those records. A search for that. Nothing classified with you... the president or anybody else. I'm just asking, why not do a search for Tara Reid's name in the University of Delaware records? Look, I mean, who, who, who does that search? The University of Delaware. Uh, perhaps you set up a commission that can do it. I don't know. Whatever is the fairest way to no. create the most transparency. Well, this is, look, Mika, she said she filed a report. She has her employment records still. She said she refiled a report with the only office that would have a report in the United States Senate at the time. If the report was ever filed, it was filed there, period. And that's the game. B minus. I give a B minus, maybe a C plus, now that I'm actually thinking about it. Maybe a C plus. It's important that he put his name on it. It's important that he got out there. I don't think he did anything intensely damaging. But I don't think this is going away. Tara Reid, apparently, and I don't know if, if Minka actually broke uh, uh, broke news, but Tara Reid's going to apparently be on one of the Sunday shows. So she's going to talk directly herself about this. If she hammers on the Delaware stuff, then the Delaware stuff could be larger. That could loom larger. But I don't think this has gone away. I think that there is now another thread that people are going to pull. And I don't know exactly how effective don't look here, look in the National Archives is going to be. So I said last week, I said that this was going to be a very important week for Donald Trump because the death toll's got to start slowing down. You know, had to start getting under 2,000. Had to start kind of tapering off a little bit because otherwise we start heading toward, you know, the, the dangerous territory. Number one, we are uh, 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 not going to be at the lower end the more optimistic 60,000, right? And let's all take a moment to understand that we are talking about, you know, <laughs> mitigation's the key word here, even when we're talking about death count. But also that we were now possibly headed to 70. And if you're at 70, then you're close to 80. And if you're at 80, you're close to 90. And if you're at 90, you're close to 100,000. And 100,000 was what the 
government came out and said was the low end of their expectations. So if you want to beat expectations, you got to come in under 100,000. And we barreled past 60,000 this week. So I don't think it was a particularly good week. In fact, as I speak to you right now and I mentioned up at the top, we're at we're over 65. Now, there is going to be a conversation going forward about the the death count. Like that will be something that we will continue to talk about. And we will continue to parse. I will not be shocked if the death count continues to become politicized, specifically this, exactly what is counted as a COVID death. Because we're at a point now where I think we are on the more generous side of counting. And I'm for that. But I'm also not running a presidential campaign, so I don't know what uh, what we're going to complain about this time. The, the expectation is this. We're probably going to see low numbers over the weekend because we've seen low numbers over the weekend. And then you have a catch-up day on Tuesday. And then, you know, it slowly declines from there. The one thing that is absolutely for sure is that at least New York City seems to be calming down. New York City is, is now actually providing less of a daily death count than New Jersey. New Jersey seems to have uh, be going through more of this. But since the death count lags, it's usually representative of what was happening two weeks ago. We do seem like we are on a downward trajectory. The question is really how fast we are going to go. Here's my bet, my, my, my checkup for next week. If we are over... 70, let's say 80. If we're over 80, it's bad. If we're anywhere between 75 and, you know, 75 and 80, that's, you know, depending on where those numbers are coming from, we'll see. Below 75 is good. Well, let's say, or, yeah. Anywhere between 75 and 70. That would be better, right? Because the the hope for Trump is that it's slowing. I mean, the hope for everybody is that it's slowing, right? But since we're looking at things in a political lens, uh, you hope that that, that the death toll is, is slowing. But, of course, next week is probably going to be more dominated by the fact that we're going to be a week into a lot of these places reopening. So we're probably going to pay a lot of attention to Georgia's infection rate. We're going to pay a lot of attention to Tennessee's infection rate. It's a lot to keep an eye on. Hey, folks, here's a reminder. You're great. You're all amazing. Well, (laughs) all right, I'll tell this story. So I've been asking you guys to fill out uh, uh, reviews. And boy, man, did you guys come through. Holy crap, we have like 60 new reviews, 70 new reviews. You guys have, have really, really, really uh, uh, helped out. Keep them coming. I will say to one person, <laughs> and it's nothing personal, art subjective. Some people like some things, some people don't like other things, okay? 
I don't take this personal. But there was somebody who wrote a by and large positive review, although they gave me two stars, and that's fine. They said, you know, he does a, a very good show, despite the fact that he obviously has a liberal bias, which is great because I always love reading how much I have a conservative bias in some of the other reviews. Uh... But his biggest problem is that I interview my mom. Now, again, I don't take it personally. Subjective art form. That's fine. However, I got a text this morning from my mom (laughs) because she's reading the reviews and she's like, oh, I don't know if I should come on anymore because somebody doesn't like me on the Internet. And I'm like, Mom, trust me, a lot of people love you. That's 90% of this stuff. In fact, that's the first negative thing I've heard about your appearances on the show. I think it's just somebody who, who doesn't agree with your opinions, and my mom is not shy about her opinions. So it's fine, Mom. It's okay. So I had to talk my mom down. I, I had to explain to my mom what iTunes reviews are. That's a thing. So, it is with that that I remind everybody that the most effective free way to help this show is to go on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Uh, And you can now know for sure that my mom reads them. If you have some money, you want to help kick in like that, well, you can help at any level. You know, we got big old fancy levels. We got $1 levels if you just want to chip in. At $3, you get two bonus shows each and every week. And all that happens at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. I'm sorry for betraying your confidence, Mom. Our returning guest today is Joseph Yazinski. He is a professor of political science at the University of Miami and the co-author of American Conspiracy Theories, We're going to talk all about the COVID conspiracy theories that are popping up right now. Welcome to the show, Joe. Hey, great to be with you again. Thanks for having me back on. I know. Well, you know, as soon as all this stuff started popping off, I just knew that there was only one man that we had to go back to, and it was indeed you. So before we get into COVID conspiracies specifically, I would love if we could get a little bit of a primer on how shared trauma seems to breed these things. Because the last time that I can remember such wild growth of of conspiracies was on 9-11. Obviously, people are drawing a lot of parallels to 9-11, but that happened almost immediately, much in the same way that it has happened here. Do conspiracy theories breed from these big shared events? Yes, but only in the sense that these are big shared events. So if we weren't all paying attention to the same thing, then we'd be conspiracy theorizing about whatever each of us was paying attention to individually. But because we're all sort of captivated by the same exact thing at the same exact time, which has saturated our media environment, this is where everyone's focus is. So everyone who is inclined to adopt conspiracy theories, they're going to do it about this, you know, for the time being until the next big thing comes along. Oh, so that's interesting. So it's not that this breeds the conspiracy theories, but it does help in making them famous. 
Yeah, you know, most certainly. I mean, there's this idea out there about conspiracy theories that, you know, they they are about events or they are about big events. And the uh, point of them is to help people understand big events with big causes. And that's just really not true. Um, If you were to poll people on the entire infinite range of conspiracy theories, you'll find that they believe in all sorts of conspiracy theories about big events, little events, medium events, and the causes range from big to to tiny. So this has a lot more to do with people's worldviews than it does with the particular event at hand. All right, so let's dig in to some of the, 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 the theories that have sort of gone flying around. Uh, this is the, the one that really baffles me. And to be totally honest with you, I don't really even know if I can wrap my head around exactly what it is or what it means, is the connection between COVID-19 and 5G towers. Uh, five the the 5G frequency that is now being rolled out that better connects uh, uh it's, it's a better throughput for your your radio signal on your cell phone uh what's going on here so that's an interesting question so the 5G conspiracy theories have been going on well before covid-19 okay um so there have been a group of people who have been suspicious of 5G for some time and they have these ideas in their head that it's about mind control or government uh, surveillance or it is somehow going to cook our brains with the with the radio waves or that it's very unsafe and the government knows it, but they're allowing it to go ahead anyway. But these ideas have been out there. So the people expressing it now um, aren't doing it because they – you know, have some sort of information that suggests that the 5G might actually be behind <laughs> coronavirus. It's because they already hated 5G for whatever reason, and now they're just attaching it to this new problem. Um, and, and and that's something we always seem to find, is that every new problem, we tend to blame the people we already hate anyway for it. So this is, the, all right, then then this is something that has kind of grown up, and, and if anything, it's probably at least on some level, a, a sign of, of tech literacy, because I, I don't really, re- I mean, the, the last cell phone stuff that I remember was, you know, oh, if you hold a cell phone up to your head, you'll get brain cancer or something like that. But I don't remember any mind control conspiracy theories for the edge network or 3G. I guess maybe now we've we've had enough of this nomenclature out there that 5G now gets saddled with it. Well, it is sort of interesting in the sense that we've had 1G, 2G, 3G, 4G, and we we didn't see these kerfuffles around it. For some reason, 5G has tipped off people. Um, Why? I I just don't know. I don't think it it has anything to do with the technology or any sort of information that would lead people to think it's dangerous. Um, and, and, and for that reason, a lot of these theories tend to be, you know, idiosyncratic is that sometimes they'll pop up and sometimes they don't just like when, when planes go down, sometimes there's conspiracy theories around the plane, like, T, you know, the TWA 800, you know, 30 or 40 years ago mm-hmm. and other planes, when they go down, it's not such a big deal. People don't conspiracy theorize about it. But I mean, if you go back in time, you will find with almost every new communication technology, there are 
all sorts of warnings about how bad it is for you and how dangerous it is and how it's going to destroy modern life. And they were saying this with paper, books, <laughs> the printing press, yeah. radio, television, cable TV. There's an interesting Twitter account I follow called the Pessimist Archive, and what they what they put out every day is old newspaper clippings from about a hundred years ago. Yeah, talking about the dangers of all these things that we completely accept now is is totally safe. I mean, the one I was watching recently was um, the the people who used to bring you ice from frozen lakes about 120 years ago. Um, it was called natural ice um, because they didn't have freezers back then. Yeah. So once they got freezers and people started to be able to make their own ice, well, the people who were selling natural ice were obviously upset. So they spread all these rumors that, you know, artificial ice is artificial. It's not healthy or safe for you. You're much better off with natural ice from ah. the lake. When in fact, the natural ice was not very good for you. It was full of all sorts of stuff. Sure, sure. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I believe Pessimist Archives is a, a podcast as well. So uh, everybody go ahead and check that out. Uh, all right. Something else that uh, has, has come along the, the COVID conspiracy train, and that is the origin. And this is a particularly interesting one because there are a lot of mitigating factors to this. We still don't exactly know the origin to this. We still uh, are, are dealing with, uh, you know, the Chinese government, which is a top-down information control operation. So uh, there, there are some legitimate reasons to want to go slow or entertain a lot of ideas, but it seems like some have gotten far more traction than others. Well, the question we need to ask is, what should we believe at this point? Yeah. And the answer is probably nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that there, there isn't a clear answer, um, and we should just wait for more information rather than jumping to a particular belief at this point. Um, th there's really no evidence that the virus is an engineered bioweapon. In fact, the scientists who've looked at it said this doesn't have any of the markings that you would get from a created virus. Um, so, so that I could sort of, you know, toss aside. Yeah, that that seems to be the only thing that I I agree is like, all right, that if 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 nobody's ringing the this is a bioweapon alarm bell, then then I'm fairly sure that this is not a bioweapon. Yeah, a more mild version of this would be that perhaps a nearby laboratory was working with the virus and then it escaped. Um, there, some people are floating this hypothesis. There doesn't seem to be any strong evidence in favor of it at this point. Um, and there, I've seen other ideas, but again, until there's strong evidence of something, I'm not really going to buy it. And I'm just going to go with what the with what the uh, World Health Organization, what the CDC says, and that's probably came from a bat in a market. Um, and that's good enough for me for now keeping in mind that there's going to be tons of investigations over the next few years to really look into it. Yeah. You know, there's been a thing on, on our newsletter, the free political newsletter, uh, for whatever reason, the two things that, that everybody wants to talk about is this and, uh, whether or not ska is coming back oddly enough, but we can focus on this for now. Uh, the, 
for the folks who are like wait wait hold on the yeah. second question was whether or not ska is coming back look man quarantine does strange things to people i don't know <laughs> i don't know what it is but for whatever reason there's a lot of people who want to who are, are sharing new ska ska never died so so, 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 so what are we talking are we talking about like mighty mighty boston ska or? I, you know i've never been a a, a a man who is a tremendous appreciator of of, of ska certainly yeah i i, I listen to the same boston record as everybody else uh, uh you know okay. but i wouldn't consider myself a a skanker by any measure uh the the but when it comes to the virology lab i think right right now we are uh we are just in a black hole of information and the one thing that yeah. i always know from my the when i was a reporter the times that i got embarrassed the most the biggest mistakes that i ever made were being too sure about anything and especially in a situation like this, where it's like, all right, bioweapon, I'm leaning toward absolutely not bioweapon, because I feel like the tenor around this would be far different if we actually, if that was actually it. But beyond that, I don't know. I mean, it seems like, you know, the, the, both uh, possible scenarios seem to play in on priors that we might have about Chinese society, that either they're lax in their security or that wet markets are are far different than the way that most uh, uh, Americans think about cuisine and eating and, and uh, hygiene. So uh, I don't know. Uh, this, this very much just seems like a wait and see, but at the same time, uh, I, I, are people who are digging into these positions spreading conspiracy theories or are they just kind of overcommitting with partial information and is there a difference I, I i think there's a lot of bad reporting because there's such a demand for information so i i read a article and i won't say from for, from where but it's one of the cable news outlets and it was talking about how they had secret unreleased documents and they heard about these documents from a unnamed source and they reported the information as if it was credible. Now, that may very well be the case, but you know, when we're talking about sources who are identified and we don't know who they are and can't verify them, speaking about documents which aren't identified and we can't see them, uh, we're sort of in a space where it's just there's no reason to believe such reports. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to kill some people to sit there and be like, well, I want to know the truth now, but I'm going to have to wait for investigations. Why do I have to wait for investigations? Well, uh, truth is sometimes hard to find and you need to let the, you know, the experts get in there and dig it out. And it takes time and a lot of hard work and simply jumping to conclusions at this point isn't going to isn't going to help anyone. Someone that's emerged as a figure both in public life, but also seemingly in these conspiracies is Bill Gates. Uh, uh, certainly the former mm -hmm. founder of Microsoft uh, has turned his life to philanthropy over a decade ago and now has become a big player when it comes to COVID modeling, research, and vaccinations. Uh, uh, he's also, of course, now become an arch, <laughs> an arch villain to some who believe that he has either engineered or is profiting from this virus. Why Bill Gates? Well, interesting. Bill Gates is someone that everyone can hate in the sense that 
I mean, many, um, many, many, many were doing it in the 90s before it was cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we didn't accuse him of being like a mass murderer, like the people no. are accusing him of now. No. Like they're suggesting that he's, you know, testing dangerous vaccines without any protocols or he's trying to take over the planet with vaccine implants or something. Um, but the thing with Bill Gates is that people on both right and left can attack him. Because he's not really a partisan person. He's not aligned with one party or the other. Whereas, like with George Soros, most of the time you're getting people on the right attacking him. And then, you know, we had a lot of theories about the Koch brothers in the last decade. And it was mostly people on the left, you know, accusing them of being up to no good. But with Bill Gates, um, because he doesn't really have a a partisan affiliation with him, um, everyone can buy into uh, thinking he's bad. Yeah. And that and so so some of the the examples as you mentioned that yeah it's this is a a way to just get vaccines in you know in, in into the populace and uh you know I guess I are, are there any other Bill Gates things that you've seen in the wild? Well, this seems to be the the, the major one that he they range from he's trying to take over the planet he has been testing uh, vaccines on unsuspecting populations without appropriate safety measures. He wants to give those unsafe vaccines to us, either to poison us, to kill us, or to control us. Um, but, but none of these ideas are new. These are ideas that's been around for a long, long time, and they're just simply getting applied to Bill Gates during coronavirus at this time because this is what's on everyone's mind. All right, let's talk about something else that I think is worthwhile to to watch. And we are dealing with incomplete data. And I do think that there's a fog of war around it. And that is death counts. And and this can kind of be our entryway into sort of the should we trust what we're being told about this portion of our program. Uh, Each country and even here in America, each state has different ways of counting these. They have different ways of reporting these. Uh, there should be no question that the death count is something that we shouldn't be all that confident in right now, but uh, uh, that has not stopped people from assigning motive to it. Yeah, and this is this is one of those things that's sort of uh, dangerous because what's underlying it is this belief that perhaps – the virus isn't as dangerous as is being led on by the CDC and the World Health Organization. So this is just one way in which that idea manifests. So some of the memes that I get across social media, um, I think the funny one I got was a, it looked like a CNN story and it had a picture of a giant shark Uh and it said, man eaten by shark dies of coronavirus, Pelosi blames Trump. (laughs) So, <laughs> sort of, so, so the idea underlying that is that, you know, people are going to die of all sorts of things, but there is a political motive to blame the virus for deaths that are completely unrelated and then use that as a tool against the president. The problem with these sorts of views is that they can lead to particular behaviors. And in this case, the behaviors would be um, not engaging in social distancing, not frequent hand washing, not wearing masks, um, not engaging in the best practices because you think that the whole thing is a hoax or at least a partial hoax. So in in this sense, this is a a particularly dangerous 
um, viewpoint. Now, I'll agree with most people and say, you know, different countries and different states have different ways of counting things. But what does that really tell us? It tells us that uh, the world is a messy place and categorizing things um, isn't done very easily. Right. Yeah. So oftentimes when you have somebody go to the hospital, um, there could be several things ailing them. And then when they die, you know, it's not that easy to know which was the exact one that caused it. Um, you know, it just tells us the world is messy. Yeah. And we have a lot of systems that aren't particularly built for once in a century pandemics. Right. <laughs> like, there's... Yeah, this isn't this isn't what we, you know, prepare for. And, and normally, uh, you know, the people who assign the causes of death are, are aren't dealing with pandemics they're dealing with individual deaths and trying yeah. to figure out what caused this death. But even when they're doing one person, it's still it can still be very difficult because there could be multiple factors working at the same exact time. Um, and then you sort of have to, you know, make a judgment on what was the most proximate cause um, of the person passing. So then, most of the motives here are are politically assigned that that you're seeing that this is on on some level either governors or or elements of of, of the deep state that are that are trying to make <laughs> things uh, uh, messy for uh, uh, the, the president or or some other actor uh, similarly aligned. Yeah, so there's two, you know, you already touched on it, but there's two major forms of mainstream coronavirus conspiracy theory. And one is that it's a bioweapon, um, you, you know, meant either meant to kill us or was meant to kill us but escaped accidentally. And the other idea is that it's it's not particularly dangerous, but it's being exaggerated to uh, hurt the president in an election year. So once you get out of the, I mean, there are lots of different variations of each of those, but once you get out of them, those two, you know, you start getting really into the fringes and the weeds um, of, of the strange stuff, but it should be no shock to anyone that anything that's going to happen in an election year is going to be seen through a prism of partisan politics. Uh, one more figure that has become, uh, famous, arguably the celebrity of uh, uh, this entire traumatic process for Americans has been Dr. Fauci, the head of the uh, 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 National Institute of Health, uh, NIH. He uh, is uh, obviously front and center in a lot of the federal government's messaging on this uh, and has become a, unsurprisingly, I guess, a point of partisan derision as, uh, mm. uh, you know, there have been, I think at, at times exaggerated uh, uh, elements of, of his differences with, with the president. But uh, how have you seen the, the birth of the Dr. Fauci celebrity coincide with the conspiracy theories that are also floating around? You know, this is the thing is we're in an election year. So everything is going to be seen through partisan politics. So, you're going to have people on the left saying Fauci's a hero for pushing back against the president, and you're going to have other people saying Fauci's a member of the deep state working against the president. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it, it it all depends on what side you're on, what you're going to believe in. Um, but there's nothing new here. I mean, we see these sort of, um, and I'll use the word hypocrisy here. 
um, when something benefits your party, um, then you say it's good. When it doesn't benefit your party, you say it's terrible. And we see this playing out over and over again. I mean, when James Comey first came out and said he wasn't going to prosecute Hillary Clinton for her mishandling of emails, yep. the Democrats said he was the greatest person finally, ever. Finally, finally, public service, a, a true lawman, stick into the book. Yeah. <laughs> and and then when he then when he did the opposite and said, you know, I'm updating you. Here's a letter. Here's what we found, and we're going to investigate more. They said, oh, he's the worst person ever. Yeah. He's terrible, and he doesn't know what he's talking about. So the judgments of of of, of uh, political objects tends to run uh, or, or be largely based on what does uh, what's good for my party at this moment, and if it's good for my party, then it's good, and if it's not, then it's bad. So then, if if if, if there is a news cycle for which there are a bunch of headlines that say Dr. Fauci breaks with Trump, then there will be a lot of criticism. And if by the end of this, Dr. Fauci comes out and says, thanks to the leadership of Donald Trump, we saved X amount of lives, then he will be, you know, heralded as as a, a, a true scholar. Yeah, depending on what side you're on. Yeah. So it's it's it, it's people have very, very thick lenses and all the judgments that people make in politics are largely subjective because it's not like people are experts on each and everything and they can only hear second, third and fourth hand what's going on through the media. So what's doing most of the heavy lifting for them in their minds and how they interpret the political world is just their 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 partisan lens. Now, you've done some polling uh, around not only uh, uh, conspiracy theories in general, but also about some of them that are going around now, right? Yeah. So <laughs> um, I don't know if the U.S. is the most conspiratorial country. We've polled other countries and, and some are fairly on par with us. But I'm I'm. You know, I'm always amazed at how many Americans buy into different uh, conspiracy theories. So um, for the two we just talked about, is the uh, COVID-19 threat exaggerated and was it spread on purpose? We got about one in three Americans buying into each of those. So so just over 30 percent buy into those ideas. Saying that that this is a bioweapon. Yeah, well, either that it's a bioweapon or that the threat's been exaggerated to hurt President Trump in the election year. Okay. Wow, that's, um, that's is that is that is that high? All right, so so relative to I guess aliens, like where is the head? Even. Even. All right, so the same amount of Even. people. So is there a Mendoza line for when a conspiracy theory has gotten particularly uh, a good traction? Like is 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 thirty percent? impressive or or 30% kind of just baseline for a, a certain kind of thought um it, it it depends how you think about it um kennedy conspiracy theories for most of their lifetime uh were 80% so wow. four out of five americans believed that there was a conspiracy now that number's come down in recent decades so in my most recent polling we've been getting around 45% believe in kennedy conspiracy theories but um, and that and that is and that is that is a catch-all. That's not like oh, the, you believe the the the, the Cuban uh, version or the mob yeah. version or the FBI or the CIA version. Like this is just do you believe a Kennedy conspiracy? Yeah. So if you run the follow-up question, you say, well, who do you think was was involved? Yeah. Then that's where you get you know six percent say the CIA, five percent say the Soviet Union, five percent say Johnson. 
Um, so they were sort of splinters. But in terms of do you think that there was a conspiracy, um, you get a really, really high number. And that's the same thing we get with, like, uh, Jeffrey Epstein right now. We got yeah. – uh, uh, let me see here. I think over 50 percent said that, that Epstein was murdered rather than committed suicide. I mean, I'll tell you what, I, <laughs> I might I might fall on the other side of that 50 <laughs> percent. I, I know we're here to, you know, bring scholarly advice to these troubling times, but I'm just going to let that one hang. <laughs> yeah, so he floats around 50 percent. Do you think that uh, genetically modified foods um, have dangers that are being covered up? That's 45 percent. Um, and again, these don't really fall on one side of the political aisle or the other. Yeah. Um, the, the only ones that have a little bit of, of partisanship to them is the idea that the coronavirus threat has been exaggerated to hurt Trump because clearly that has a that partisan has a motive. balance to yeah. it. Oh, wow. So 30 percent, huh? That's – I mean I wonder whether or not – if you were to – well, I guess I, mean, I don't know if it's appropriate for me to make you ask you to make guesses or predictions, but uh, uh, <laughs> if you know, do you think that that tends to that that'll, that'll go up or down by the end of the year? Like, are are we just in a particularly uh, a, a hot time because people are under lockdown, quarantines happening, we we are feeling the full effects of this, uh, uh, or are these built to last because they are such uh, searing moments in our history? That I don't know, and it's always hard to predict the lifespan of a conspiracy theory and how many people are going to buy in over time and how it might change. Um, you know, so if you take the birther conspiracy theory, for example, you think that would have gone away, yeah, um, after 2008, um, but it kept getting new life and it's still with us so when we poll on it we're still getting more than 20 percent thinking that president obama faked his birth certificate sure um so so these will linger for a long time and i and i think you know in order for them to go away fully um i think the generation that experiences it probably has has to pass um and then have new people like for if you went back to the 1830s you would have all sorts of crazy freemason conspiracy theories running around and everyone's freaking out about the freemasons well no one cares about the freemasons anymore yeah um it's not it's not a big thing you can watch documentaries about freemason conspiracy theories on the history channel from time to time but that's there's no um i, I can't imagine there's anyone out there right now who feels threatened by freemasonry <laughs> No, 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 no. It, it seems like just kind of a sad club for old people. <laughs> um, but I, I, I mean, as we ask about more and more of these theories, what we find is that we get more and more people believing at least one. Yeah. So on my most recent poll, we asked about 22 different conspiracy theories and less than 10 percent didn't answer in agreement with at least one. If we were to ask about more and more, we'd eventually find everybody believes in one, if not a few. So, you know, there is no conspiracy theorist out there, and we're the sane one. We're all in this boat together. We're all conspiracy theorists from time to time. Yeah, I guess that that is that is a good note to to kind of go out on, is that there's nothing inherently wrong or bad with being caught up in these things. The, the, the only thing that you would only that you would hope, and this is in life is that you just continue to allow evidence to shape your point of view. 
And that's something that not too many people like to do. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, when people dig in, man, that's, that is, that's always uh, my only advice to anybody listening. is like, that's the times that you are going to look like the biggest ass is when, is when you just dig in on some of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, just in general. All right. Uh, 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 Joseph Uzinski political science professor at the University of Miami and co-author of American Conspiracy Theories. And uh, uh, you are a great Twitter follow. I, I followed you after we, we talked the first time. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, at Joe Uzinski, J-O-E-U-S-C-I-N-S-K-I, um, on Twitter. And I'm tweeting every day about the uh, goofiest conspiracy theories out there. Oh, yeah. So, folks, you are going to want to follow him immediately. Uh, thank you so much for coming back on the show. You're very welcome anytime. And that will wrap it up for us today. A reminder that you can support us right now at takepoliticsseriously.com. In fact, our Titanic $10 tier is here for you. Middle aged Mike, Chad, Dallas Danger Taylor, your boy Craig, Zachy Chan, TroubleFilm.com, Nick, Utah, Jimmy Montana, D Laser, Paul, Captain Bunzo Thompson, Kilowatt Podcast, Frozen Summer, Milk Leg Scoop, Emily, Wolf Glen 99, Berkeley Steven, The Gen, NH Blumpkin, Roger, and Eoxy, as well as Andrew, Brad, Daily Tech News Show, Darren, DL. Jay Milius, Jonathan, Lindsay, Miranda, Nick, Nomadic, Terran, Olin, and Angela, Richard, and Thor. You want to follow me? Well, you can do so on Twitter, Justin R. Young. If you want to join our Discord, talk politics all day, well, head on over to bit.ly slash jury discord. That's free. Speaking of free, you want my free political newsletter? Freepoliticalnewsletter.com. That's where you get that. Till next time, is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying politics has three names. Some shows talk about politics. Others talk about politics. And there was one the other day that I saw talking about politics. But this, this, friends, is the only show that talks about Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>